Good. The other week we were singing a song, The Good, Good Father, and, um, and it got me thinking about what, I, what that means to me. And uh, so this is my little exploration of what The Good, Good Father is all about. And uh, it's interesting that each of us, of course, brings their own particular slant on what being a father's all about, what being a good father's all about. Probably many of us got a view of what being a bad father's all about as well. But you know, Jesus gave us a picture of what being the good father is. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So I'm hoping that what you'll see um, today is some of those things which we, which we know about God because he is our father. Just as I... Um, my phone did something funny this morning. My phone's always doing something funny. Decided to update itself, so had to do various things to it. And I got the BBC News suddenly shouted at me, so I had a look at it. And the BBC News has got a story on this morning that uh, the Church of England's advert has been banned. I don't know if you've... That sounds... It must be a good advert, I reckon. Um, they were planning to put it in advance of the new Star Wars release. And uh, do you know what it is? Lots of people saying the Lord's Prayer. And of course, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. So I thought, isn't that interesting how objectionable people find it to talk about God as a Father? And I think that one of the things that we have to understand is that it is something which God has given us, especially through Jesus, is this relationship with Him. It's not an entirely New Testament thing, but it is something that was made very much more normal in the New Testament than in the Old. We're going to look at some Old Testament scriptures, some New Testament scriptures, and we're going to look at how the story of Jesus, uh, of God the Father, uh, has, has come to be. But just think that's very interesting that other religions might object. Do they advertise, what do they advertise in cinema? I actually haven't noticed. They certainly advertise hot dogs. I mean, you know. That's quite objectionable, I find. But anyway, let's have a look. So, um, uh, I was asked the other day for some books for Christmas. So, here's one. How to be a good father guide, 19 rules for ruling a happy roost. Well, I need those, that's for sure. Um, I probably don't need this one anymore. Um, this is an owner's manual, uh, how, to, uh, how to look after your child. Um, and uh, from conception to two years, all models, shapes, and colors, a practical step-to-step guide. Um, uh, there's some hints here for fathers. One, playing with baby. I like that one. Yes and no. Um, maybe lifting baby. Uh, do and don't. Drying baby, I have to say, is probably my favorite. Uh, and, uh, and how to handle uh, your baby as well. You know, I don't really think that's what being a good father is all about. Although I have to say, probably, if you do the things on the right, you're probably mostly in trouble. Um, So what is God like? How is God like a good, good father? Just have a little think about it for yourself. What do you think? So... So God's given us this ability to come into a relationship with him that enables us to be his children. 
And because he's given us that ability to be his children, we can know him as our father. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now that word in the NIV isn't translated Abba, uh, because, as, as many of us have already heard, but it's worth just reflecting on again. It's, so, it's, it's a pet name that you would call your dad. Now this is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who spoke into darkness and created light. This is the one who knows us and sees us every day, who rules the nations, and yet we might call him our dad. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. See, our God is, a, is an amazing God. He allows us into this place where we can be loved by him. But we need to open up to have that relationship with him. We need to allow him into our hearts. We need to, to, to chew on that, to dwell in that place. Because all too often what we do is we construe onto God the Father something about how we have been with our own parents. And that isn't how God is with us, necessarily. Many of us are fortunate to have very good relationships with our parents. And, um, and they're fantastic And it's a good thing when the heart of a son or the heart of a daughter is turned to his parents or her parents. That's a good thing. And and God gives us a special grace for that. But you know, actually, there is one perfect father. And that's our heavenly father. Jesus, uh, sorry, Hosea, the prophet Hosea, writes this in Hosea 11. Talking about his people. When Hosea, sorry, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was me who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like the one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. No, that isn't, this is Old Testament, okay? So when I said how Jesus gives us that special place, you know, this is how God talks about his relationship with his people in the Old Testament. This is not an entirely New Testament thing. And, and many religious people have sadly forgotten that this is the God that we worship. And this is how he relates to us. There's something very uh, natural about verse 4. Something about the way that God is described here is just like we might be with an earthly child. And yet God is promising that that's what he's like with us. Now Jesus used parables to communicate truth The thing about a parable is it's often got more than one truth in it. 
And I just want to take a liberty with you. We're going to revisit the story of the prodigal son. Uh, because although I've talked about it recently, oh, I don't know, somewhat recently, and many of you will be familiar with it, what I want to look at is I want to look at what happens for the father. Okay, so we, the parable's called, in my, um, my little graphics story, um, the parable of the waiting father, actually. And um, I've used the artwork before, and this is just so that you don't nod off. Okay, and you'll enjoy the animations. I haven't made them. Um, it's perfectly, look, it says it's free for use. There you go, there you go, marvellous. So there was once a man who had two sons. Now the older son worked hard and obeyed all that his father told him to do. And the younger son liked to have fun. He wasn't interested in working. What a great kid. One day, the younger son went to his father and said... Come in, number one. When you die, you're going to leave me a ton of cash. So leave me my half now. The father was shocked. Ooh. Okay, it's your choice. I just want to just stop for a moment. How irresponsible is that? I mean, just, just totally irresponsible, isn't it? The good father releases choice. I believe the good father, he, he releases choice into our lives. And he presents us with the opportunity to do one thing or to do another. He doesn't hold us by strings that we must walk as a puppet. He gives us that opportunity to follow him and to follow what he's saying. Now this younger son has asked for something. And he, the father doesn't want to remove that choice. And so the younger son gathered all he had and set off for a far country. And when he got there, now this has nothing to do with Owen going to university, okay? He wasted his money on parties and wild living. (laughs) At least I hope it's not. I was really excited the other day, bless him, he's... um, Apparently, he's known as Open Door Owen, somebody told me, because he always leaves his door open so if kids want to, if they want to write anything up for him to pray for, they can enter it in. I said, what do you do with your laptop when you leave your door open? That's my heart, you see. (laughs) (sighs) It's exciting. Anyway, this poor fellow's not quite in the same place, so he wasted his money on parties and wild living, and um, pretty soon the money ran out, and then... There was a famine. So what did he do? Well, we all know, perhaps some of us know, he went away and he ended up feeding pigs, which we have to say and admit is probably not a very pleasant job to do. Oh, dear. Dear, oh, dear. Not a nice place to be. And finally, there he is. It says in the in this scripture, you can follow it yourself. It, this is a rough translation, you know. He says, do you know what? I don't need to be smelling this stuff all day long. Even my father has hired men, and um, they've got stuff, they've got food to spare. 
So what I think I should do is go back to my father and say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Now, all the time, the father is in the father's house with the older son, and, and that's, he, has, he, has, he has not been in our story, has he? But this son now returns home. He is returning home. Oh, he stopped. Never mind. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with love for him. So the father's not falling asleep. The father's looking out. The father is alert. And whilst he was still a long way off, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That overwhelming love that the father has for the son is what dominates in this story. Jesus told us that because we need to know that our Father has an overwhelming love for us because we don't always believe it. We think that the love comes with strings attached. We think that the love is conditional on us following certain patterns in our life. But that love never stops. And so the son says, Father, I've, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And now this is how the son feels. It's his reality. It's how he sees his life. But the father's reality is very different. As he comes home, the fun starts. Bring the breast robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill him. And let him have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And, uh, and the son's, son's story is the son's story. But I want us to think about how the father has been throughout this. We have to decide whether we are no longer worthy to be called his son or whether actually there is more rejoicing when you come home than we could ever imagine. Today, there might be an opportunity for some of you to come home. Maybe you don't have that connection with the father Maybe this is an entirely theoretical idea to you, that there could be this God in heaven who cares for you, who sent his son to show us what he's like, to show us what, what the Father is like, and to show us how to live, that he might have died was not the end of the story, because, because he lived that perfect life, God raised him to be... Lord of everything. And we have that choice to come to the Father's house and to say, Father, I want to be with you. And that simple return causes a tremendous change. Now, the older son was angry and refused to join in the party. And all these years, he said, and in all that time, sorry, all these years I've worked for you, in fact, the Bible talks about slaving away. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. 
And um, that's, that can be the, the reality that we see as well. And yet the father's reality on that is very different. Look, my son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. But we celebrate this happy day because your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So we see that, we see that the father's perspective for both the sons is different to the sons. The sons have different realities. But what God wants to do is to open us to that opportunity of making the right choice. Of taking the money and running. Or coming back to the father's house and choosing to live with him as our father. So I'm going to pick out a few aspects of what I believe the father's like from this story. Okay? Now, I think you need a joke to wake you up. So, the good father is faithful, and he remembers. And here is a picture of an Ikea store. And um, I'll tell you why I've got a picture of an Ikea store in a moment, but I have to tell you an Ikea joke because it's obligatory. Okay. Ikea, apparently, are going to run their own academies, schools. The curriculum is normal, but each day will start with self-assembly. Do you know, I was making the bed the other morning and I thought to myself, I have to stop buying things from Ikea. Do you get? see what I did? No. Okay. All right. The good father is faithful and he remembers. There's a, a little small story about... Uh, did that go down well, Lydia, do you think? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, shortly, a few years ago... Hmm, probably about 11 years ago, uh, we'd gone to this place. That's probably about the right frequency of visit, actually, for me. Anyway, and we'd done that thing of walking around all the aisles and getting lost and whatever. And I had um, Isabel in the trolley. She was, she's not the size she is now. She was a small thing. And she went into the little seat, and I pushed her around, and we had a trolley full of stuff. And uh, we couldn't get it all out of the store at once. So I'd gone out. There was two small children. I can't remember who they were. Yeah, Owen and Lydia were with mum somehow by the cash desks. I'd gone out to the car with Isabel with a trolley load of stuff. And I put all the stuff into the boot of the car, put the trolley back, and then went in (laughs) to the cash desk. Christina says, "Um, where's Isabel? Oh. And there she was, sitting very patiently, as she couldn't move at the time, was strapped in, in the trolley, in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> An unusual thing to buy. <clears throat> but you know, we might forget our children. And it's a sad thing that actually, sometimes, some of us have got parents that have forgotten us. Um, mental illness sometimes means that an elderly person doesn't remember you. And they, can't, they get confused. They're expecting to see their little Johnny, and you come into the room, and actually you're no longer little Johnny, but you're, you're big. But our Father in heaven never forgets us. I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, says Isaiah. 
in Hebrews 3, 15, sorry, Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said, when he told us to go and make disciples of all nations, he said, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Paul writes in Timothy, if we're faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot disown himself. You know, parents get confused sometimes. Earthly parents, I've always been called Ian. Sometimes I've been called Sue. Um, Very rarely am I called Neil by my own parents. Um, It's just one of those things that happens in our family. It doesn't mean they don't know me or love me. I can cope, but I can cope. God knows each of us. God knows each of us. And he won't ever disown you. He knows us. Okay? The good father is attentive. So, so the good father in the house had not forgotten the, the son that went away, and he was looking out for him. Uh, here's a nice family mealtime. Um, the no screen, how many of you have a no screen rule at your meal tables? Marvellous. Good, good to see. Good to see. Good to see. Anyone ever get confused about screen rules when you're celebrating something and you want to take a photograph? And you get the, camera, the phone camera out and then suddenly you see something on it and you think, oh. No, that only happens to me, I'm sure. Um, Modern mealtimes can be a disappointment. Sometimes it can feel hard to engage. You come in sometimes a rush from work or you, 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 you've had your mind on other things. But when you sit down together, it's really important that we're attentive, that we listen to one another and we weigh what people are saying. You've sat there and you've got all the best intentions and the phone rings. Or maybe it just tells you that a little message has come in. So do I have a look at that now, or do I save it till later? The good father is attentive. When the son was still a long way off, the father ran out to meet him. He could only have done that because he was looking out for him. We have a little joke. So I've got, I've got, got my in-laws, Colin and Carol, here today. We have a little joke, which is wonderful, about when we visit them, just how long it's going to take them to come out to the car, because it's normally about 20 seconds. Sometimes they get, they get a bit distracted, and it, and it can be 30. But generally, I can pull into their driveway, and you know they're there, like that, because the grandchildren are coming. Now, actually, it used to be the same when it was just Christina and I, honest. It's just the, the, the affection has moved on. Well, no. Oh, did I say that? Did I say that out loud? That I didn't say it like that. But we have a little, we have like this thing. And, and you know, that's how, that's how God is with us. He's looking for us on our return. He's, he's looking out for us. He's not, he's not just kind of getting on with something. He's expecting. He knows we're there. Because... Psalm 139 is is a psalm that talks about this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when, when I sit down, you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. 
you're familiar with all my ways. You know, he could only be that if he was with us all the time and looking after us. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You know, 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us to cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for us. Our God looks out for us. He never leaves us, but it's not a passive presence. He's looking out for us. He's providing that large man on a station to get us onto the train. Or he's maybe giving us that thought that says, you know, you ought to, where's your child? Or maybe he just sends your wife to say that. But no, he does. He, he, he provides for us, okay? And um, so the good father, he's generous, a um, couple of things. I'm not quite sure why it says, uh, ignore the caption. That's an enlarger, okay? Uh, and this is a, a balsa wood aeroplane. For me, that's two pictures of the relationship with my dad. Two of the things that he did with me when I was growing up that I still remember now were, one, we used to make model aeroplanes, and two, he taught me how to do colour printing on, on the... Uh, uh, with an enlarger. And that time that he gave me really communicated something far beyond making an aeroplane. <laughs> and making the aeroplane over a period of weeks, <laughs> no, maybe days, over a period of days on our summer holidays was one of those things that I really remember. We didn't do a lot together, to be honest. But that's one of the things I really remember. And the first flight when I threw it and I put my thumb through the through the side. This is, these type have got, um, if anyone is into this sort of thing, you have a, like a tissue paper that you put over the outside and you paint it with dope, which shrinks it all up. But of course, if you're a 10-year-old and you are enthusiastic about throwing this thing, you're very likely to manage to put your thumb through the side. Now, one reaction could have been a certain level of frustration that we'd spent this long making this thing and then I've managed to break it on the first flight. But then for, to, sit, to have the patience to actually sit down and think, well, how can I fix this? <laughs> Don't we expect our dads to be fixers? But our Heavenly Father is a much better fixer than I will ever be, than any earthly father. And our Heavenly Father, he cares for us. And he doesn't just do things grudgingly. Oh, the other one was the, uh, was the printing, which is ever so expensive, um, so we didn't do it very much. But nevertheless, we did it, and it took forever. And we had these fun times. Colour photography has to be done in complete darkness in those days. So we'd sit in the downstairs toilet together, which was our dark room, and we would sit there printing our photographs in complete darkness, except for when you were exposing the print. And, um, <laughs> and you actually... It was a tremendous thing, and it meant that as my dad got older and as he needed things doing, I had a kind of relationship that was ab I was able to give things back. Um, and so, so I just think, I think one of the things is that our, the good father is generous. He's generous in terms of time, and he's generous in terms of substance. He's generous in terms of time because God is always with us, and whenever we turn to him, he's there. And he's generous in substance because every good gift we have comes from him. 
In the story, the father in the house, he doesn't just give the calf, he gives the fattened calf. He doesn't give a robe, he gives the best robe. He gives him the ring of favor to show the promise is restored to the child. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks you for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? How much more then, though you are evil, know how to good give and know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now there is one who will deceive. He's called the Father of Lies. But our father is not the liar. What he tells you is always true. Every word that he speaks proves true. And whatever he has for us is the best. And when I, when I think about the future and I think about what God has for me, I just want to trust that my father knows where he's taking me. And it's not about me charting a route through life you know when we work in in environments and we spend time with people that don't know God what what their constant concern is is how am I going to get the next thing how am I going to move from here to my next position or whatever God doesn't want us to be governed by that he wants us to be resting securely knowing that we're loved by him and that's who we are that we're loved by him. There is no higher status that I could have than to be his child. Psalm 30, 37. Uh-huh. It seems to have stopped for a moment. Can you just wake it up? It doesn't want to do its thing. I've worn it out. So Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take your delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. What God has for us is tremendous. He's our father and he has us in his arms. He has us, he's alongside us. And, um, and I, just, I just want us to have that, that opportunity this morning to, to, take a, to take a moment to think, so am I living like I'm trusting? I mean, that's actually what, what um, came out of Judy's testimony, but I didn't know that was going to be. Am I behaving like my Father in Heaven can be trusted? Or am I keeping my options open? Am I, am I, am I committed to Him? See, the other thing, the good Father is strong. Now, we all remember... The good father is strong. That, that sense of having your arms around a child. You know when you're a child and you grabbed hold of an adult's leg and as you've got hold of them, you have that sense of security. I don't know why you feel secure when you're, because you're probably just going to end up under an adult. It's a little bit like a rugby tackle, isn't it? But 
when a child is a bit frightened and they grab hold of you, yeah? And, and that's how God is, allows us to have that kind of connection with him, that we can grab hold of him. And he's much bigger than us. <laughs> it's okay. He's much bigger than us. I remember um, whenever one, one of the stories I've, I've heard John telling is about his father and how his father was, um, protected him. Do you remember the story about him being a little boy and, and uh, he can't imagine how he managed to do it, but somehow got into maybe a little bit of a scrap or a situation with others. Uh, but dad was coming along just behind and was going to sort everything out and everything was fine. Um, we have that sense that our father... Our Father in heaven, he, he cares for us, and he will protect us, and he will contend with those who contend with us. See, a good father releases and frees us with his words. He's not a tyrant. He releases choice and empowers us to do what's right and not give in to fear. Now, I can remember a time when my dad released me from a situation which was quite pressing for me. It was a very real, it was a very real uh, situation. And um, there's a lady who'd been amongst us for, for some time, and uh, we'd been involved as a family caring for her. And um, we were due to go away together as a family, not with the elderly person, but with, um, not with the person, but as a family. And the, and the lady unfortunately died. Um, and, uh, and I just, I wasn't involved at all in the funeral, but I was feeling like whether I should come back for the funeral or what I should do. And, and I remember my dad just saying to me on the phone, we said, well, you were there for her when she was alive, weren't you? So you don't need to be there for her her now because she doesn't need you and I thought well that was an and that was quite a some of you will know what I'm talking about that was actually quite a relatively recent conversation in the last 10 years or so now my father didn't know God and yet at times I believe God used him to speak into my life words that released me fathers who are here today, how much more do you have the opportunity to speak into lives and bring release? I'm focusing on fathers, actually, but mothers, you can do it too. There is a releasing that you can do too. What we want to be is to be like our Heavenly Father. We want to be like Him who cares for us and to bring that release and not give in to fear not give in to fear-based decision-making. And the good father has affection for us. There is that delight, isn't there, when a small child comes up to you <laughs> and for, for you have done nothing and yet they show affection to you. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, we have our niece staying with us at the moment and uh, she's, delight, she's a delight and... Uh, Jessica just came into the room the other day and just, she just kind of gave me a hug, like just completely 
not, I hadn't asked for it or she hasn't seen me for a while, but she's just come into the room and give me a big hug and I'm like, okay, this is great. I, this is fantastic. What, what a joy to feel that sense of the closeness of a child. Feel the sense of God's heart when we're close to him. When we worship, that's when we draw alongside him. That's when we kiss his hand. That's when we, we give ourselves to him. And there is something amazing about that as we relate with him. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. In the letter of John, see what great love the father's lavished on us, that we might be called children of God. And just in case you didn't get it, that is what we are. Um, And sometimes, you know, our children go through battles and they're really big deals at the time, but they kind of grow through them and they maybe never have any remembrance of that battle. But there's something about what happens to us as we love them through it that changes our heart and strengthens that bond. And, and our Father is like that. When stuff happens for us, he never lets go of us. Some of you saw when we were away at Clear Sound, I showed a video of a, a father who told the story of going for a walk um, around a lake. And it had to be around a lake because basically you couldn't cut the, the journey short. And he'd gone for this walk around the lake. And he got so far... Um, let's say, you know, halfway, and it started to rain. And he only, he hadn't remembered to take, he's a typical father, hadn't taken the, the appropriate equipment with him. And his child started to get wet. And, he, and it was a real heavy storm, and it was thundering and lightning. And the child started to get more and more distressed. So he holds the child towards him, takes him out of a back carrier, holds him towards him, and he keeps him safe in his arms. And, um, and, he says, and he says at the end of the video, and they get home, but he says at the end of the video, that's one of my most precious memories of life with my son. Going on that walk, getting stuck halfway around, being that close and keeping him safe. He says, you know, my, my child might have wished that had never happened, but actually that released a whole different relationship of me with my child. Sometimes the rain comes in our lives and our father keeps hold of us and he promises he's going to get us home. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's always alongside us. He's always keeping us safe. And as we're walking around that lake with him, he's got us close to his heart. And yes, it's hard work when the rain is falling and, it's, and, it, and uh, the thunder and lightning is sounding and really, frankly, we'd rather be anywhere but there. But our Father is keeping us safe. And I've just told the story quickly just to kind of get you the idea. But this thing that actually, that, that those battles that we go through make us closer to God. You know, um, another, another thing that happened in uh, Isabel's life. So poor Isabel's the one who actually had the most excitement, really. Abandoned in Ikea. Um, 
The, the other one that, that occurred, well, I dropped Owen in a car park once, but that's, that's not relevant, so I can just, it's another story. On his head, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the other thing that happened was um, we, we were actually staying with, with Colin and Carol, and, um, and Isabel had gone for her nap in the afternoon, and she, she developed croup completely out of nowhere. We'd never experienced it with any of the other two. Now, croup is a really horrible thing, the most frightening illness I've, my children have had, because it came on so sudden. It's an inflammation of your trachea, so you can't breathe. Uh, and so your child sounds like they, they're being choked, really. Well, that's because they are. And, um, and so we suddenly heard this rather strange cough. You get a strange cough with croup. And, um, and, uh, and she's like... <gasps> Like this in the in and in, in the in the cots as we go in and we're like oh dear so we phone up nine 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 or whatever and they say well it'd be quicker if you could bring her in yourself and we had to we <laughs> we're like flying from Caister to Grimsby Hospital which is where we were and we were we received brilliant treatment but seeing my little girl with a little chest with no air in it because your lungs empty so you most of this isn't real it's air you know sorry don't don't i can do this as a man can't i um this bit of your chest right and it goes in as your lungs empty boys steady and um seeing a little little chest just like so emptied of air and she'd gone so pale and i remember phoning saying you've got pray i phoned the office spoke to avril i said in between the, the sobs that i could get words out so please, could you pray? Because this is a bit serious, uh, and um, and just seeing how the the team worked together, they tried to do something which didn't work, and and uh, then this senior doctor came on the scene and gave her an injection of something. Uh, um, I think it was a steroid, but it opened up the airway, and suddenly seeing the colour come back in her face, and seeing her able to breathe again. Now, Isabel has, she's the one of the family who has no memory of this entire event. But for me, it's one of the most amazing times when I've known God help us in a situation. He provided a doctor, provided a doctor who lived in Caister, actually. The, the doctor who was treating us lived just down the road from us. She phoned up the next day to check whether Isabel was okay. And this was just after going to the A&E kind of department. And we would just knew the provision of God in it. And, and uh, I suppose, so what I want to say is, these things that happened to us that we'd rather didn't, actually, our Father is in, in it with us. And he loves us through it. And he's promised and never let us go. So, uh, so what have I talked about? I've talked about the generosity of the Father, I've talked about his faithfulness. I've talked about um, his attentiveness <laughs> that the father remembers. As I'm just looking through my notes. That the father is strong. The father accepts us. Um, the Lord your God is with you, says Zephaniah, and he is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice with you over singing. My... Um, my granddad um, uh, used, to, used to sing as he was doing things. 
I remember doing things with my granddad in, in the back garden, and, and, and as he was doing them, he would be that happy that suddenly a song would come out. Um, I can remember Granddad Taylor actually used to do that as well. When he told a joke, your, your dad, you, he would do a little, <laughs> little song as, at the end after the joke. Now, God sings over us. When he sees you, he hums to himself. Isn't that a bit crazy? What right have I got to say that? Well, he says here he's rejoicing over you with singing. You make his heart glad. <laughs> you make his heart glad. As a mother comforts her child, I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And from the story we read, look, my son, you were always with me, and all that I have is yours. But we celebrate this happy day because your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. You see, our father loves to be with us, and nothing else matters but to be with him. You make his heart glad. You make him sing. And uh, the other line that stood out to me in the song, and you are loved by him. It's who you are. You know, you're not a teacher. You're not a cleaner. You're not a computer technician. You're not a mum. You're not a dad. You may be all these things, but who you are are someone who brings a smile to God's face. You're a child of God, and he's chosen you to be his. And his heart has given his son. There's another story about a father and son when, when Abraham is asked to give Isaac in a sacrifice to God. And that father starts to do that very thing. And just at the moment he's about to sacrifice his son, God tells him to hold. And they sacrifice a, 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 a ram instead. And uh, God has provided for us in Jesus. So there's no more sacrifice necessary. He gave his son. He's a good, good father. And giving a good, good father meant giving his son to set us free. It's not what we do or who we know. It's not what we've achieved. He loves me. My identity is found in him. How about you? Can you believe that? That nothing else really matters? Your life is between him and you the decisions you make, they're between your father and you. And he's given us, brothers and sisters around us, to help us hear what the father's saying. But actually, when it all comes down to everything, it's, like, it's that relationship that we have with him. And God wants us to be connected, wants us to be in his house, 
enjoying the provision, not slaving away, surrounded by plenty, but in his house, enjoying all that he has for us. And that's a good place to be. I've told quite a lot of different stories this morning, and I hope that it's... I'm not claiming to have the perfect image. You know, what actually I have is just my bit of this amazing multifaceted God that we all love and can see through what God has given us in our hearts. And sometimes, you know, you might be sitting there saying, well, that's not how I see that part of my relationship with him. I just encourage you to look at what the Word says because what you feel and what the Word says is not always the same. And what the Word says trumps it. That's why he's given us the Word so that we can be grounded in it so we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us that right to pray to you as our Father. Lord, right now I ask you to draw us nearer to you, wherever we are on that spectrum of knowing you, whether we're those that have walked with you for many years or those that are just wondering whether there could really be a Father in heaven who cares for them. Lord, I, I want you to move us all deeper into you. We don't want to settle where we are. We know that you have called us to a walk of pilgrimage, a path of pilgrimage, of moving from glory to glory, of moving from one awareness of you to a fresh awareness. So, Lord, this morning, bring your revelation through testimony. Bring your revelation to us. And, Lord, equip us to move on in you.